catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports? Welcome to the show. It is Thursday. Ember is upon us, and football is upon us. Joining me today, as Sandy is out in Fort Worth, Texas, to watch. Tell me, he's like roping cattle. I doubt it. But on the bright on, side, he is going to join us in just a little bit, so we'll, we'll find out. Come on. Tell me that would not be – I just gave you the most epic visual ever. Sandy's Sandy, cow punching. Sandy roping cattle. Come on. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what he does in his off time. Entirely that possible. would be so much fun. Well, we'll have to ask. Joining me, of course, that is the voice of oh. uh, Nate Lundy, of course, the uh, CEO of Mile Sports. He's uh, familiar in these Yee-haw. parts as well. Uh, ever roped cattle? No. Yeah, I haven't either. I just want to know, like, if the uh, 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 like the the rodeo clown is yelling at him. Shut up! You know, I mean, something like that, right? Or I want to see is the rodeo clown. Sandy getting feisty, fighting off the rodeo clowns. I just, I, I don't know. If you're going to Fort Worth, you go to the stockyards. That's what you do. It's like it's mandatory. I think, I think the airport they actually just shuttle you straight there, and then you go to your hotel from there. <laughs> you pick up your rental car from yeah. the from the stockyard. I think that that's actually out? what I think that's actually what it is. He will be out there, of course, catching the uh, the Buffs as they have their debut against uh, TCU on Saturday morning. But he will join us in a little bit to talk about uh, his voyage there. But Nate will be riding with us today, so appreciate it. And uh, obviously, we ended up talking a little bit before the program. You and I are in a long running fantasy football league. Oh yeah, and uh, we we draft tonight, and I like that because I know a lot of a lot of leagues have drafted a while back, and um, I call those leagues foolish because guys get hurt in preseason games, and then yes. that's the worst. You have a draft, and then somebody gets hurt in a preseason game. It it's the worst. So in this case, it ends up being a spot where now that we're going to go uh, right at the tail end of things, pre- preseason's over, all of that's done. Right, uh, we're going to try to draft tonight, and I'm sort of surprised i know many of you are fantasy football players too but boy my opinion on it has completely changed i'm in i'm in a couple of leagues and i would be in none except that these are just they're they're friends they're long running there's kind of personal relationships so i want to be in the league but the way that the, the daily fantasies of the world and sports betting have changed the way we look at sports have changed the way i think i've looked at fantasy football too which is my excuse for being totally unprepared for yeah and tonight. and and i'm in the same boat sean um because so I I have a little bit of luck in that I did a normal snake draft this past Sunday, um, in a league that I've been in for a little while. But preparing for this one tonight, and this is a big one that we're in tonight. Yeah. This is this is a this is a challenge. There's like multiple presidents of the fantasy. Yeah, there's trade just people. There's just people that know it's, their their yeah. their ish. Okay, there's a lot of people that know their stuff. Okay, but 
I think the sports betting has changed so much of what I focus on. I mean, I've had a I, I've had a fantasy football radio show, a, yeah. a, a national television show. I mean, I, I've I've been doing fantasy sports for a long time, and now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, wait a minute, that guy's not on the Panthers anymore. Like the like that's literally happening to me, where I'm like, I can't remember what team he's on, because I'm so hyper focused over here in the sports betting world. That changed so much for us. Yeah, and I I think some of it changed too. We, I know that. Uh, you, you and I also are in, in a small league with friends where we do that with one of the, the daily fantasies. But you can now have leagues, and it tracks yeah. the whole year long, yeah. uh, week to week to week, but you're paying a different team. I found that maybe a little, I've, over the last couple of years maybe more entertaining for me because we've all been there where we've had a league, you have an important player, uh, in my case, for multiple years. His name is Christian McCaffrey. Oh, and yeah. then you, know, you build your entire roster, and then he gets hurt, and your season is just toast. And you don't want to be the guy that's, you know, not doing anything the rest of the year. It's not really me. I do my best. I'm not going to be the guy that's a, you're not just going to ignore the team the rest of the year. Right. But I know I have no chance, you know, a week or two weeks in. And so now you're just playing out the string and uh, that's not good for a league and not good for anybody. And now you have these sort of daily fantasy leagues where you just pick your whole new team the next week, but it's keeping track of what everyone does over the course of the season. To me, that's much more compelling because you're, you're not at the mercy of some blind luck-like injury. Well, and that's what made DFS so popular. That's what, that's what built up, you know, long before Paps it was overturned. That's what built up um, uh, 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 FanDuel and DraftKings and others, but those are the two big ones, obviously, from a DFS standpoint, from a daily fantasy standpoint. You got to where that's what people, and that was their selling point, remember? Right. Their selling point was like, hey, the the most fun all year is when you're picking your team. Yeah, it's drafting. It's the most fun by far. So now you can do it every week. Or now you can do it on Mondays and yep. then again on Thursday and then again on Sunday, right? You can do it for the early games and then do it again in the afternoons. They built it all off of that idea of not letting your season come to an end just because you know, somebody's ACL yeah, was made out of hurt. toilet paper. Right. Uh, hey, changed it all. me out of it. It's not my fault. I didn't do anything <laughs> with that. But hey, my, my favorite story I ever tell about fantasy football um, was with a, with a group of guys that we did fantasy with uh, when I lived in San Antonio. Um, and there was a guy that with, I think it was his, either his first overall pick or the second overall pick in the, uh, in the league, drafted Tom Brady. And it was the year that Brady went down <laughs> in that first game. He still managed to win the league. Wow. He man, he did a bunch. He did some trades. He did some really smart GMing. He did. The, he still managed to win the league that year. He jumped right on uh, Castle. I he I guess, put he something. put it all together. I was like, that was okay, Matt that's Castle looked like you could play. Right, that's impressive. Oh, the, Matt Castle got paid because of that. Yeah, he did. Oh, he got paid. I think the trick is just being a Matt. Because didn't Matt Flynn also get paid for the exact same reason with the with basically the Packers? you and I are missed out missing out because our name is not Matt, uh, Matt. Apparently, apparently if you're Matt and a backup quarterback you have a better chance than usually so, getting paid so how much like I I just admitted what it's done for me and some of it's you know doing the you bet tonight TV show and things like that but is it just like I think you you alluded to it right like your fantasy league right now you're in just because you have been and it's friends yeah honestly yeah and you actually wouldn't do it? Like, would you Would you completely 
season-long fantasy. I'm not saying that you wouldn't do some DFS. You wouldn't do that. But season-long fantasy. I think I would. I think I'd bail. Would you walk away? I think I would. I actually think I would. Wow. I, I think it's changed that much. And, I, and I've been playing it since I was, uh, like, right when I started college is when I started playing fantasy sports. And I probably would because I actually feel like your skill matters more in non-season-long stuff now. It, because you're looking at week-to-week matchups, yeah, which you're, which you're still luck. doing, you're still doing with your you lineups are, to an extent. Yes, your lineups, but you're, but you're limited mm-hmm. in creating a season-long lineup by what every week. Months ago, as opposed to DFS, where you're just limited by the salary cap, which which is an incredible skill involved in that. Um, so okay, I see, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I still enjoy the the okay. Okay. The fun of it with uh, friends and everything, but yeah, I think I would. I think it's more uh, it, it's more consistently fun. I think that our technology has allowed that to sort of be phased out to a certain extent. All right. I don't know. Not you. Not not yet. No. Quite. I'm not there yet. I'm not. Can't I, quite I can't. Pull off the I can't band-aid. quite do it. I can't quite do it. But I'll tell you what. I think I'm getting there. Yeah. I think I really am. In part because I'm starting to. You know, I don't have any bankroll left. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's how that works too. Unfortunately. Yeah, I have, I have, I have two drafts tonight. Of course, I mean all pre, all preseason they, they both come tonight. Uh, some of it will overlap, so I will be able to at least efficiently, uh, more efficiently, be bad at two drafts. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I, you know, I'm not great at it anyway, and then I'll just it's I, I can suck at two drafts faster <laughs> that way. So I guess I'll live with it and be over it. And then I, I don't know how. Like I I can't. It, I've done two drafts at the same time before. Two chicks at the same. Two drafts at the same time before, but they were both snake draft. Yeah, one's a snake draft, one's not. I can't do, if I try to do, like, if I try to tie my shoes during an auction draft, I will screw up. Yeah. I have to be able to focus. Well, I mean, there's a strategy to that. Like, you and I are going to have to, we're going to, we're going to have to zoom out of here. Uh, because that draft uh, starts not long after we're off. Yeah, the air. I don't want to be embarrassed again. Last year was embarrassing. Actually, last, the last year, two I, years have been embarrassing. The last every year that we've done this damn draft, I've been embarrassed, and it's because I am that guy that tries to be way too conservative at the beginning, and then I've got like oh that's forty dollars left. Like I, and you I can leave, get to anybody you want, but now you're on the two hundredth yeah, best player. I live. I like. I wind up with leftover money every year at the end. Every year. I hate it. Oh, now, what, what I miss about the, about the draft, and maybe yours are like that, too. It, 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 with the, when it's, now it's, it's tougher. People spread out. It's not in person. Uh, the in-person one, I would have always done it just for that. Oh, that yeah. That was a blast. That's a damn party. That was that's a get together in, in you got a Uber. garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Ubering back and forth to that. and uh, you got you got to Uber to that. Yeah, that's, there's something about a, a, a little... Uh, like a clay Alamo. There's a there's an Alamo shot glass involved because yeah, but it sits in a whole little model of the Alamo. You know how you do an auction draft? You nominate a player to go uh-huh. for auction. And there's always the people that get lazy and, and the like, rule we brought that person up a couple times ago. Yeah, and the rule in our league when we used to do it in person, now we're scattered on the map a little bit. But the the rule was if you nominated somebody that had already gone, you had to do a shot, which did not actually help the problem no as it turns out it, it may have actually and one it. year we had but it was dude, funny one year we had a dude that was nominating guys on purpose just right. because he wanted shots like what the hell man yeah that was weird 
that, like, okay, we get it. Like, you're I think a drunk. You, I think you can just have it, right? You're I mean, a drunk. Just sitting there. You like, can just, just ask. A, yes. Just be like, hey, yeah. can I just have a shot? Yeah, I think everyone would have just said yes. And not just, only like, that. Not it, waste all our time, man. It would have helped us get rid of the bottle, which would have been nice because that, that would have eliminated a lot of the problems. Yeah. So just the, ask. The party scene was pretty good. But I yeah. would really like a shot of yeah. tequila, please. Or just walk and then and take it out of the giant bottle. Yes. Yeah. But that, that didn't help the problem because that... People would just keep no. Nominating. It exacerbated. They would, it yeah. They would not pay any any better attention. Hopefully, uh, you're had more fun with yours. I am curious though. Three zero three eight three one thirteen forty is the number. Uh, are you like me? Are you almost done with the season long situation? Because too many times your your best player gets hurt and you're just out of luck and yeah. uh, you're just going through the motions trying to fill out a lineup every week so your friends don't get mad at you as being the one slacker guy. Or uh, are you still really love it? Because uh, I think years ago you would have told me that I would have probably rather not do it um i, I would have said no but n- yeah now i think i'm i'm there especially when it's it's all sort of digital anyway i'm like yeah i think i'd rather yeah. i'd rather have more drafts which is more fun uh less yes. holdover from random things that can wreck your season yeah and those are all available now yeah i'm on i'm on board with i'm on board with all those uh, of course, it, you can just do all of them, which is what I end up doing. You know what else I'm Some I'm, of each. I'm on board with? There's college football tonight. Yes, there is. I understand that the games are, you know, kind of meh, right? I mean, it's like like meh. There, it's not, Um, I mean. You're not getting the best selection. Elon is playing Wake Forest, and I don't mean Musk, okay? Uh, he lo- probably loses Wake Forest pretty badly. Honestly. I would like Wake Forest to kick the crap out of him, though. <laughs> Can we get just some big-ass linemen to just hit him? Wake Forest. Um, I'd be I'd be totally down with that. Much more dangerous than Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yes, uh, much more. Um, but but yeah, me, there's let me give, real you, the, football let me give you the schedule tonight. You I love it. Kent State and UCF, uh, which means Tony Comas, uh, who hosts the Fan Cave each week, he is a proud UCF alum. Uh, so he'll be into that one uh, this evening. couple of the, uh, you get directional schools. That's what you get on Thursdays and Friday nights, directional schools. So tonight, for example, we got a little Western Michigan, Southern Utah. We get those kind of schools that are popping in. NC State's taking on UConn. Um, Florida and Utah is probably the marquee game for this evening. That one's on the four-letter uh, coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. Nebraska's playing Minnesota. Yeah, good, good. Big Ten matchup, and of yeah, course, which, if you're, which again, kind of, I mean, you got a you got a conference matchup, yeah, in week one. That's kind of cool. Boom, right out of the game. And of course, if you're thinking about next week up in Boulder, that's where Nebraska is going to be. So maybe they can sneak peek at the Cornhuskers as well. And then we got a lot of the we got a lot of the schools that I'll probably hate watch that. Yeah. You, you, oh, there you go. That'll okay. be on while I'm failing at draft. We got a lot of the schools that don't fit on. Like the, like the school name doesn't fit on one line. Arkansas Pine Bluff. So we have Arkansas Pine Bluff, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, uh, UAB. Uh, they have one of the best mascots, by the way. That dragon is so cool. Like, I want a shirt that just has that logo on it. I couldn't tell you anyone in history. Danny is in, Danny's behind the glass. Danny, can you tell me anyone that is an alumni of UAB? Is there anybody famous that I'm not like? Who's an alum of UAB that I'm? Uh, I don't know any off the top of my head. Okay, I'm gonna hey break out the Google later. Hold on, talk amongst yourselves. Okay, the French Re- Revolution was neither French nor a revolution. Discuss. Um, famous UAB. See, and I tried alumni. that real quick, and the first thing I got was their alumni society, and then I'm going down a rabbit hole. Um, I don't want to go. Let's see. Roddy White, former Bronco. 
Okay. Um, let's see here. Hold on. UAB. He's number one on the list. Who was that, Danny? Roddy White. Oh. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Probably so. Oh, Graham McDowell, the PGA golfer. Golfer. Okay. All right. Hold on. I got to keep going here. If you're watching the video feed right now, yes, I actually had to pick up my computer so I can read it. Roddy White. Yep. That's what he, that's what Danny we said. Got yeah, said. Okay, okay, we got Roddy. Okay. We got Roddy. Let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. I just, I'm just curious sometimes uh, if there's anybody of, of, oh, ha. I forgot about this. I actually did know this, but it was buried somewhere in the back of the of my brain with all the hops and barley. Sam Hunt, the country oh, singer, because he was the, the third-string quarterback, quarterback for UAB. That's right. That's right. Sam Probably made more Hunt. money the way things go now, I would presume. By the way, I've never seen a dude in, a, a dude in concert do wardrobe changes. Like Taylor Swift changes clothes you know, like fifty-seven I, I, times over the. Good, Sam Hunt does wardrobe changes. That's messed up, man. Uh, Just go out there, sweat your way through the same T-shirt. The Prince women still it. love you. But in country music, that's kind of unique. In country music, that's weird, man. That's, that's weird. Strange. Come out of. But the ladies don't care because overly the, tight pants like a Luke the ladies, Bryan and the yeah. ladies basically want to you know like Tom Jones and just throw their underwear up on stage anyway. Yeah, I think that's probably okay. So anyway, UA. I, I sorry that I got us on a tangent no, not, here. You know, UAB good. is playing North Carolina A and T. So A&T. again, it's all of the Thursday and Friday night football. You get the weird games. Are it's weird. But there are man. two. But you pointed out two really good marquee games in Florida and Utah. Utah's fourteenth. Uh, yes, ranked in preseason Nebraska, Minnesota, a Big Ten matchup. But they're gonna have to, by the way, work on some of that with conferences. We'll touch on that later. But I, oh, I yeah. don't know how many teams are in how many conferences anymore and what their team's name are, but they don't. Uh, all I know is the Big Ten does not have 10 teams, and the Big 12 does not have 12 teams, and the Pac-12 no longer remove has 12 the, teams. Remove the numbers. The SEC well, had it the right. the big and the big. Well, but you could just. Big North, Big South. I don't know. Something. Except it's not really North or South either. Nah, it's true. Let's come up with something else. Uh, tomorrow isn't much. We'll talk about this on tomorrow's show because uh, Sandy's out uh, for today and tomorrow, um, so I'll, I'll be uh, hanging out. The Miamis are playing each other tomorrow. Really? Miami of Florida oh. and Miami of Ohio. Ohio. Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. That, that one I remember. University of Roethlisberger. Yeah. Um, so the Miamis are playing each other. Stanford is flying over to Hawaii tomorrow night. Uh, the Cardinal will take on uh, Hawaii. Um, and then uh, Kansas will try to prove that the beginning of last season was not a fluke. They that's will, actually an interesting. I mean, Mizzou Missouri, State. That's not going to. No, create much of a challenge, but no. I am intrigued to see. That's one of the early games. I'm I'm curious to see how much of that was real and sustainable. Well, and my you know my wife, as you know, is a Jayhawk, mm-hmm. uh, which means I and she cares about basketball. I mean, basket, she, right? She's like, wait a minute, basketball. we have a football team. Like yeah. she doesn't, you know, she doesn't pay attention to that. Um, but she will probably find a way to be able to watch it. Sandy Clough pays attention to uh, University of Kansas as well, and the football team. He's talked about them here and there occasionally on this program, but he won't be do- doing that in a couple minutes because he's down in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, visiting friends, but also waiting for the Buffs and the Hornflower Frogs. That's right. He's going to the game on Saturday. Which is not a frog. The, uh, yeah, it's a lizard. It's a lizard. What? Well, when they name these things, can't. people just can't get with people. into the really detailed stuff. Sandy will join us next on My Life Sports.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Joining us now from uh, Fort Worth, Texas, where he is out there really on vacation. So we're really pestering Sandy Clough on vacation. But he is nice enough to give us a man-on-the-scene situation here for the Colorado Buffaloes, who will start their much-anticipated 2023 season on national television against TCU, which was in the national championship final last year. Sandy, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know you traveled this morning, but the the scene around town in Fort Worth, I would imagine for TCU, it's exciting. They feel that they have now uh, turned a corner that they can build on. But for the Buffs, this is an opportunity to make a statement, even if they don't necessarily win. Uh, that's true, Sean. I, I think that uh, obviously the players are going to look at it and the coaching staff has a chance to uh, get off on uh, uh, the right track. And, of course, these two teams met last year in Boulder in the opening game. And there was good news and bad news. Yes, there was actually a sliver of good news in that game. Even though CU lost at 38-13, to it was 7-6 to at halftime. Uh, in favor of TCU. So at least for a half, uh, CU was competitive. Uh, They hope to be on Saturday morning uh, much more effective uh, for four quarters than they were for a half uh, last year, at least defensively. But we know four things. Uh, There's a lot we don't know, but four things we know. Deion Sanders' debut, uh, eagerly anticipated over the last nine months at the University of Colorado. We know there'll be a packed house uh, here in Fort Worth. We also know that this may go down as the hottest opener ever for the University of Colorado. Every day down here, it's 100 degrees with varying uh, significance when it comes to humidity. And even, yes, with a 10 a.m. mountain time start, 11 a.m. local time, It will be 100 degrees. We landed at about the same time today that the game will start on Saturday. And if it wasn't 100, it was certainly within a degree or two of being 100. And so uh, even at the start of the game, yes, it will be hot and it will be humid. And uh, training in Boulder, uh, I'm not sure that's going to be uh, a very easy transition for CU to make, not just the morning start, but the heat. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been hot in Colorado as well, but not at that uh, level of heat, certainly not as much in Boulder as it has been in Denver for uh, a TCU, obviously heavily favored, 20.5-point favorites. The Buffs trying to cobble together a roster in which the talent is quite a bit better, but 87 new players, only nine scholarship players back from last year's team, only 25 in total, and only three starters return. Presumably, it will take a while to get these guys all in sync, but we've seen sometimes the talent can trump that. Do the buffs, you believe, have enough ability here to maybe surprise everybody given the increase in talent for the most part up and down the roster? I think they do. And TCU's got largely a new team, too. I mean, the quarterback's gone from last year. Although, keep in mind that uh, the quarterback who will be starting for TCU on Saturday 
actually won the job last year until he got hurt. Of mm-hmm. course, Dugan came on and was sensational, and uh, Morris never got his job back. But uh, he'll be the quarterback on Saturday. Uh, I, I look at TCU, at least in relation to other teams in uh, the Big 12, and most of the returning talent that's exceptional is on the defensive side of the ball rather than the offensive side. So I'm not sure what we'll see, but I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but uh, my sense is that uh, CU will be able to score some, but their main concern will be on the defensive side of the ball, and yet TCU may not be quite as strong as it was last year offensively. So uh, even the kind of game it's going to be uh, is very much uh, in question, but I think uh, it's pretty clear that the lower the score, the better it is for the University of Colorado. Absolutely, and that's part of the the equation too. This is a team that expects to now put up points in Colorado, a team that did not score very many points last year and really in the last few years. But the defensive side's a big part of it. We know that the Buffs yes. surrendered a tremendous amount of points last year. They expect to be better on offense, but against a a, a TCU team that we know can put up points, as you brought up, Chandler Morris, you know, hurt the, when he played the Buffs in the opener yes. last year. And yes. uh, prior to that, the last time he had actually fully uh, finished a game in which he had started back in 2021, Morris had 461 passing yards and 70 rushing yards in that game against Baylor. So if he is back to health, the idea that uh, Dugan may be gone, but Morris kind of can play a, a game where he can move around as well. So now you have two mobile quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that can create the differences at TCU. That seems to be in scheme. At CU, we don't entirely know what the scheme is, but certainly they don't want Shooter Sanders taking very many hits because he's kind of a slighter guy. And speaking of Shadur Sanders, he will be the one to watch on the offensive side of the ball and Travis Hunter on the defensive side. And again, uh, we'll have to see about this, but how many snaps, if any, does Travis Hunter get as a wide receiver during this game? But they're the two stars to watch, I think, uh, uh, for most people. Those are the two people to watch and will be all year. Uh, for the University of Colorado. Uh, a lot of unknowns. I, I guess if I had to uh, stake out a theme for this game, that would be it. Uh, a lot of unknowns on uh, both sides, but uh, in the minds of some, Sonny Dykes was a national coach of the year material last year, the head coach at TCU. He's been around. Again, at this level, uh, this is also the coaching debut for uh, Deion Sanders and uh, interesting that it's down here. Uh, virtually all the CU players are from the South. So there are a lot of ticket requests. Uh, we on our flight this morning did see some Colorado fans coming in as early as Thursday morning. So uh, I, I think I'm on safe ground, Sean, in suggesting that CU will have more support on the road than they've had maybe in the last 20 years during the ball game on Saturday. The idea that, that, that CU is going to have this offense where it'll be wide open, it'll be passing, and, and that is part of the equation, but they have a tremendous amount of talent at the running back position. Alton McCaskill is recovering from an ACL tear. 
Uh, it hasn't been made clear how much he will play, if at all, though I think Deion Sanders was careful to kind of throw cold water on the idea that it would be anything significant, if at all. But there is right. still a lot of depth at that running back position. The idea that, that CU has to go ahead and fling it all over the field isn't necessarily true. They do at least have on paper the ability to have a diversified offense. You're, you're exactly right about that. And I think diversification and depth in the heat, uh, those will be major factors in how this game develops and how tired CU might get or might not get during the course of the game. And what is the one issue that we've, we've talked about, even though clearly at the starting positions, CU is pretty much better across the board, but we've wondered about the depth and, and the fact that this will be such a hot and humid atmosphere on Saturday, I think uh, necessitates CU going with a rotation at running back to keep everybody fresh. And I, again, think if we're to point to two position groups, that are most important for CU, it's the offensive line and the defensive line. I think if Sanders has time and he's not running for his life all day, he'll be pretty effective. He'll be good. And if CU on its defensive line can produce a pass rush to disrupt TCU a little bit, Maybe they can stay in the game, but the the depth will be tested, and you have to think that TCU, at least for now, is the deeper of the two teams. But we'll see a lot of football players on both sides Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon here. We're talking to Sandy Clough out in Fort Worth, Texas, and Sandy, let's look at a couple possible outcomes here. The Buffs, uh, I, I'm Winning would be remarkable. I don't think we're going to bother discussing that possibility of, of how impactful that would be. I think we understand. But let's say they find a way to keep it within two touchdowns. Or right. let's say that it ends up being a, a blowout, that it ends up being 24 points or more one-sided. Does either of those outcomes mean anything in particular? Or does this game kind of, with all of the hype, with the debut of Sanders, with all the change and turnover, kind of happen in a vacuum? Well, it is a winter bust, okay? And uh, we're, I think, talking about the most important opener this year. As exciting as Saturday will be, the most important opener for CU in 2023 is the home opener with Nebraska. Right. And it's important that they come out of this game maybe not completely healthy. I don't know how realistic that ever is for any team home or away in an opener. You're going to have some Knicks uh, at the very least, and hopefully nothing serious. But the important thing is that they be competitive, that they feel in their minds and hearts that they've been able to play with this team. Now we know scores can get distorted uh, at the end of the game, you can tack on a couple of touchdowns if you're 24 points behind and it can look as if you were in the game and maybe you really weren't. And the players would understand that uh, you could also have a 10 point deficit in the fourth quarter. Uh, you played three, three and a half quarters of competitive football. 
They score a couple at the end. It's a 24-point loss, and it looks bad. Uh, it looks similar to last year, 38-13, to 13, and very few people remember that it was 7-6 to six at halftime. Uh, but I think this is a game you'll really have to watch for things other than the final score. And I, that may seem like a dodge uh, in terms of what what you're saying, okay, what happens if this scenario takes place as opposed to that sort of scenario. Uh, but I, I think they have to come out of this game healthy and of the belief that they won't be playing as good a team a week from Saturday as they will be facing this coming Saturday and that in their home opener, they will have a chance to win and really start the Deion Sanders era uh, with a big win, uh, which any win over Nebraska would be. I don't care how bad Nebraska was last year. Beating Nebraska would be in some ways, uh, I, I think, more important than being competitive with TCU. That's the must game. Uh, I I won't say Saturday is ceremonial, but I I, I think the outcome, uh, I I expect that the outcome won't necessarily tell us very much about how CU will do against Nebraska, but we've talked about this during the course of the week already that's the game they need to win if they're going to have a five or six win season. We haven't really talked much, oddly, about Deion Sanders' coaching debut at this level, and it is a different level. Now, we also have to take into account the way Deion Sanders is coaching. Uh, Sean Lewis, their offensive coordinator, quit his job as the head coach of Kent State to take the offensive coordinator job here, and that's because Deion Sanders on game day, the coordinators call the plays, the coordinators run the game. Sanders functions as sort of that CEO central point of focus, works with the officials, decides on when to throw challenge flags, timeouts, things like that. And certainly the the coordinators run things by him. Do you see any concern with that? Or because many other coaches in college actually run things in a very similar fashion, is this probably the best way for Sanders to ramp up to this level? Believe me, I'm not making a comparison here, but, Nick Saban doesn't call plays right. on offense or defense. Hasn't at any point at Alabama. Now, he goes through coordinators and position coaches quite frequently. <laughs> they're around for a year or two, then they're gone. Uh, I think CU, uh, as long as Dion is here, will be hoping to retain these people and have some continuity over time. But you're exactly right. Um, As a CEO coach, uh, he's he's probably pretty close to the top of the list in terms of how much he delegates. And uh, he makes no bones about that either. Deion Sanders does not pretend to be close to the players on offense or defense. He doesn't pretend to be x's and o's mastermind uh that's the reason he hired these two coordinators uh, the defensive coordinator spent years under nick saban at alabama Most recently and he yes. right and he he will run the defense even though you would think Dion's expertise would lie on the defensive side of the ball but 
for this coach, that's the way it's going to be. And it is somewhat reminiscent. And I think fans will find it this way as the season unfolds, no matter how many games CU wins or loses, that it brings to mind uh, the Bill McCartney era. Uh, Bill McCartney relied particularly on his coordinators, even on game day, to coach the team. He is Sandy Clough. Of course, you hear him here every day, but he is out currently in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, on a little bit of a vacation. So thanks for letting us uh, borrow you for a couple moments with that. Enjoy your time in the Lone Star State and uh, enjoy the game. We'll catch you back after the Labor Day weekend. I am speaking to you, Sean. You'll be happy to know from a fully air-conditioned home. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Air conditioning is key out here. But I'll tell you what, I I think the weather is going to be a big, big part of the story on Saturday. Uh, Even with the early start, it will be unbelievably hot and humid. We will find out soon enough, of course. The uh, kickoff is 10 a.m. of Colorado time. Sandy Clough will be back with us after the uh, holiday weekend. So safe travels, my friend. We'll catch you then. Thank you, Sean. All right, thanks. Sandy Clough joining us from Fort Worth, and he's exactly right. The the idea that this game is any sort of statement on the Deion Sanders administration, if you will, up in Boulder, and that's way too premature. I mean, you're on the road against a team that was in the championship final for a little bit till they got boat raced by Georgia 65 to seven, but that's not the point. The Buffs won one game last year. It really does feel as if it leads towards that Nebraska game, but we'll have an opportunity to break this down a little bit more with CBS news. Justin Adams who will join us in just a little bit. When we come back, Nate Lundy will join us for more right here on my list. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. I want to remind you, by the way, if you have been injured, you need a win. And that means you need to talk to our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com is the website. 720-845-7001 is the number. And yeah, hire the winner. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. And they get it done in the best way for you. When you're injured, they'll push for you to get that maximum recovery, either by settlement or by trial. So don't hire someone off a billboard. Hire someone to get you to win. They're easy to find. Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the Tech Center, Colorado Springs, even up in Cheyenne. You can find them everywhere. So go check them out. BurnhamLaw.com. The phone number is 720-845-7001. Nate Lundy uh, back here after... Sandy joined us in uh, Fort Yeah, I get out of the way. Sandy wants to talk. I get out of the way. I, yeah, I mean, I do too, obviously. You know, I just kind of try to listen and learn. No reason for me to interfere. But uh, you're, you're back. And as we're talking yep. about college football, obviously, um, they're, they're in different spots. The University of Colorado, the worst Power 5 football program in the country. The basketball program was in better shape. Now with Deion Sanders added, it was kind of the... The, the clout, the juice, the mojo, whatever, to be able to make the leap back to the Big 12 conference and then basically finish off the implosion of the Pac-12 that uh, the USC and UCLA had started when they had met, talked about their intent to leave the Pac-12. Now the Pac-12 is down to four schools, Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. Uh, Colorado fans, I think, are very, very happy to be 
sitting with a seat at the table in a conference that I think fits them better in a lot of ways. But it's, it's disappointing to see what happened in the Pac-12. And you are, are an Oregon State <laughs> guy, and they're one of the teams, uh, one of the programs Thanks. that is kind of outside the musical chairs at the moment, despite the fact they had a top 25 football team. They had a national champion baseball team not that long ago. There's a lot uh, to, to offer for them, but as it turns out, it, it, the carousel spun so fast, there's still some place, places where they're trying to find a seat. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm a school without a conference. I mean, that's really what it is. And by the way, no one, nobody that I've seen is talking about how, like, is is anybody going to blame Larry Scott for any of this? Please, I did. please. Yeah, not, it's not. It's not even uh, the new what guy a didn't dip bleep that guy was. Here's here's the way I guess I would say that uh, Klevakov was dealt a bad hand, and also played that hand poorly. Oh sure, but, but he was Larry dealt Scott a bad built hand. this. Larry up. Scott is the reason this is a disaster. Larry yeah. Larry Scott built a house of cards, and then everybody acts acted surprised. When the hurricane came through and blew it down, yeah, like he tried to sell it as a bill of goods. He could, he couldn't get his network onto Directv for crying out loud. How do you? Oh my goodness. Anyway, um, look, I, there's something to be said for the four remaining schools. Um, there is something to be said for the Mountain West, which I think would appreciate some higher profile opponents. I think so. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is, I've said it before, uh, I'm going to stand by it and and there's no way to know until we, you know, jump with Sherman in the way back machine in a decade. I believe in 10 years that these schools are going to deeply, and I mean, deeply regret their decision. And I'm not saying that as a scorned Oregon state alumni, I'm not, I'm really not. I believe all of this realignment and everything that you have these schools and in some cases the conferences themselves that are chasing you're 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 chasing one you're chasing the SEC. Everybody's yeah, been everybody trying to chase the, the SEC. SEC. And the new the new money for the new deals don't come close to it anyway. And Still. so yeah, it's like I just I, it's one of those where you gave up on rivalries. Yep. You gave up on natural geographic um, tendencies mm-hmm. and scheduling. I just look at a program like USC and UCLA, and they're, I, I think of, you know, you think of the Big Ten. I'm thinking the Great Lakes region. And they're yeah. like, why are they, they don't really and, belong there. And I get it. I I'm, get why it's happening, but. And I get it. I, I, I fully understand, especially if you're somebody younger. Um, I fully understand. I am a 40 something sportscaster here. And I'm coming at this from a completely different angle than a lot of other people do. But I believe in 10 years, there is going to be a deep amount of remorse in what happened. In blowing up these conferences, in blowing up natural rivalries, in blowing up natural geographic scheduling, in blowing up the opportunity to have um, television viewership that, that matters and is sustainable. And I think the sustainable part is the key word to me in everything that's been happening with conference realignment. I believe what they are chasing is not sustainable. And it won't, it, it, it will not remain. We are already seeing it with the regional sports networks. We're already seeing it in the bankruptcy proceedings that are happening with people like Sinclair Broadcasting and the people that 
you know, with, with the MLB basically having to step in, right, and right. make sure that things like the Diamondbacks and the rest of them remain on television. Um, the regional sports networks, the RSNs, that became so popular, Sean, when you and I were just coming out of college, mm-hmm. okay? So the the birthplace of the, you know, everything from Root to AT&T yeah. Sportsnet, et cetera, et cetera, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Fox Sports Southwest, Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports Ohio, Fox Sports Midwest, et cetera, right? All of those are going away. Believe me, when when Disney slash ESPN acquired Fox, the Department of Justice did not have to twist their arm to get them to dump the RSN part of that deal because they saw the writing on the wall. They saw that this was going to be a problem. It's a problem for ESPN. As everyone's starting to cut out the middleman and just go straight to your customers. Disney had absolutely no problem getting rid of all the RSNs. I guarantee you, because they saw the writing on the wall. Because they were already bleeding money from everything that they had done from a rights fee standpoint. So I just think that what they're all chasing right now is not sustainable. Um, Colorado, going back, made sense. But it's because they went somewhere that they already had been. The point you're making is interesting because when Colorado left, the idea of the two new schools at the time to join were Colorado and Utah. Yes. Colorado lost all of its traditional rivalries, whether that was Nebraska or Kansas or K-State or whatever it might be. And the thought process was, well, they'll create new rivalries with Utah. That's a geographic fit. Or uh, maybe with uh, one of the Arizona schools. It never happened. No, The only rivalry that even came close to happening was Arizona and Colorado in basketball because Tad Boyle and Sean Miller would have been better off getting in a fight after the game in the back alley rather than play basketball. But no, at no point did the rivalries um, come to pass. Right. And, and it's been a long time since they've been in the Pac-12, and they never occurred. The, the idea of being able to manufacture these rivalries, it, it doesn't really work, and it doesn't even work in pro sports. Think about the Avalanche when the realignment happened again and Detroit went to the East. Uh, Avalanche fans still hate Detroit more than any other team. Uh, has, have they warmed up to the idea of maybe uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, Vegas, maybe, but it still doesn't reach that level. You're trying to manufacture something, but rivalries naturally take place over time. Rivalries take place, in, in my opinion, rivalries take place, Sean, in two places. One, time. Two, the postseason. Right. The teams have to be good simultaneously. You have to run into somebody over and over again in the postseason, or you run into somebody over and over and over again over time. And it becomes something that carries a different kind of cachet if you're the winner. Right. Either because in the postseason it means you moved on or because it becomes bragging rights. Ask ask Broncos fans what's the biggest rival today. Still, they'll say the Chiefs to a certain extent because it's recent, but in, in their hearts it's still the Raiders. It's still the Raiders. Because when the Broncos were coming into their own, the Raiders were good, and they were bouncing into each they other. They were the, the team 70s, you had to get through. The team. Now, the funny thing is Chiefs even, fans will tell you it's the Broncos. After all these years, <laughs> it's not the uh, it's not the Chargers. It's never been the Chargers. There, there's certainly you'd like to beat the Chargers. There is, quote-unquote, a rivalry, but it's a, it's a nice to beat them. It's not, oh, I hate the Chargers. Right. That's not a thing. You know, it's, it's, it is developing with the Chiefs simply because from the Broncos' side, they're running into a brick wall. But Frank Clark of the Chiefs, Came to, the, came to the Broncos. His first press conference was asked about that. He, he said that we don't even think about them. Like at all. It's the Chiefs. We never even thought about the Broncos. And he's right. He owns the rival. 
And he's right. All the people that were up in arms, he's not wrong. He just said what there's, you didn't want to hear. They were speed bumps. They were he worried said, about him. He said what you didn't want to hear as a Broncos fan. Move on. But those rivalries are very, very Oregon, hard to Oregon build. State was the oldest wi- rivalry west of the Mississippi. Been played more than any other rivalry. Yeah. Gone. Poof. Done. And it was still a big deal even when both of the programs weren't good. Because for a while, it used to be that those two teams, I mean, frankly, there were a few times that the Civil War was played and those two schools came in with like one win apiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, coaches could save their jobs getting a second win as long as it was that game. Right. That was all that mattered. That's how rivalries are born, and you've blown it up, and you've done it chasing dollars. And the reason I say that they're going to have remorse is because I don't believe those dollars are still going to be there in a decade. Right. I I believe the splintering of media and the things that are happening right now means those giant paydays for rights fees to conferences or to schools are not going to be there. Because you know how a lot of people now look at it and they have their Netflix subscription and their Hulu subscription and their whatever, and they're trying to cut some loose. Everyone's trying to sell directly to their customers. You're not going to have a Big 12 subscription and a Big 10 subscription and an ACC subscription and an SEC subscription. You're not because that's not the way it works. So I think you're right. Down the road, the, the model will change. And whether that's a, a panic move to chase all this now or not, we don't know. It's a very and, interesting time to, and think to be about in college it, sports. And think about something for a second. I wanna, let, let me use USC for as an example, okay? Let's take the Trojans, and let's talk about this idea that if the media is evolving, Sean, and you're getting to the point where you have to be able to appeal directly to your fans because you're trying to turn them into subscribers, okay? Call it 10 bucks a month year-round, and it gets you access to USC sports, okay? Let's call it that. Over the course of the next 10 years, is USC going to develop some sort of rivalry with Purdue? Right. No, they're not. But had the Pac-12 stayed intact, you still, let, you know, they're going to their rivals going to be UCLA because that's coming with them. If they had, if they had stayed intact, you could move and motivate your fan base to be a part of a subscription. If you're promoting. Hey, you're going to see this. You're going to see USC Arizona in basketball. You're going to see it because you have something tangible that you can take to those folks. You're not going to suddenly convince them that your matchup against Minnesota in hoops is worthwhile. That's going to be a challenge. It really is. Ten years, they're going to regret it. We will find out uh, more as that goes along. Obviously, the new world in college football doesn't seem like it's even uh, settled yet. We know that there's still teams and programs that will be moving around, but we'll focus on the ones that are happening locally, specifically the one wearing black and gold, as CBS News Colorado Justin Adams, former buff and uh, current everyman with all the sports world, are over there at CBS News. will join us to break it all down next on Miley Sports.